This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, our ushers will gladly get you one. We'll begin in Proverbs 18. As you're turning to Proverbs 18, just a thought for you, you know, um, sometimes the after effects of sin is shame. Many times we become very shameful or guilty of what we've done, and I just sense that there may be some of that in here right now. And I'm not saying the sin's okay, but I am saying this, that as King David repented, when King David was, was taught by Nathan the prophet, or told by Nathan the prophet, you've sinned, his exact words that he said, I've, I've sinned against you, Father. And by that confession of sin right there, it brought him back into a relationship with God. And so again, if that's you today, don't, don't let the devil shame you. He'll shame you, defame you. He'll try to, to embarrass you any way he can. So just have a heart that's very tender to God and uh, repent, all right? That was free. We're not going that way today. Just to help you know God's heart, all right? All right, we're going to Proverbs 18. We're in honor again today. And, you know, you may not know this, but, but God's always on a search. He's always on a look. And according to Isaiah 66, verse 2, it said, God looks for the humble and the broken in spirit and those who fear or tremble at obeying his commandments. Now, when we talk about uh, humility, in 1 Peter 5, it says that God graces the humble. And so when we live very humble before God, you attract God. But it also said that he resists the proud. He opposes the proud. He stands against the proud. And so the reason God does that is because pride was birthed from a, a, an angel, a fallen angel, named Lucifer. And when pride came into Lucifer's life, he rebelled. So anytime we live with pride, we're going to live in an area of rebellion toward God. And it's not God's heart. God will touch you and he'll move with you. And so watch this as we begin. Let the Word of God teach you today, okay? Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, before ruin, before disaster, before a downfall, the heart of man is haughty. Now, that word haughty is not a haughty like you may look at your boyfriend, okay? That's not the haughty we're talking about. The haughty that we're talking about here is a form of arrogance. Almost to say, you know, I, I got it together. I don't need any help. He goes on to say, and before honor is humility. So humility goes before honor. In order to attain honor, I must be humble. And so when I lower myself in my own eyes, God raises me. But when I raise my own self, then God ultimately will lower you. And so remember this. With arrogance or with pride, there's going to be a destruction. Turn a few pages to your right to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Let me give you another one on this area. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low. Now, when I read that, I, I have to say this to myself. None of us are exempt from that. When I get over and become prideful and I think I can live however I want, and you can live however you want, 
but get ready. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain or obtain honor. The message says, humility prepares you for honor. So now we think about all the things we've already talked about. God looks for the humble. God looks for a a broken spirit. Where I'm broken before God. Now the analogy that I think may help you today is you just think when I saw the word broken, I thought, okay, how do we how do we look at that in our own lives? Well, you take a wild horse or a broken horse. And when you see that wild horse, that wild horse is rebellious. And a wild horse, really, you think about this in this sense, it's of no value. It runs wild its whole life. But that broken horse is now tamed. And the way he became tamed, he became submissive. So when I become submissive to the things of God, and I yield to the things of God, there becomes a brokenness within me. And God says, man, I can use the, the, the horse that's broken. He'll use us and, and bless us in that area. Now, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. We've been there before, but we're going to highlight a few things here. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And as you're turning there, let me ask you this question. Is obedience in your life, is it the exception? And your personal choice becomes the rule? If that's the case where you put obedience above your personal choice, or you put your personal choice above obedience, you're on a course of destruction according to the Bible. You might as well get ready because if we don't humble ourselves before God, this thing called life is going to humble you. 1 Timothy 2 Verse 1, therefore I exhort, I urge, I admonished, first of all. And you may want to highlight that. He says, first of all, this is the first thing I want you to get. That supplications, prayers, and intercessions, pleading, mediating, standing in the gap, mercy, is, is forms of prayers right here. He said, and giving of thanks. Be made for all men. Be made on behalf of all men. But he doesn't quit a thought there. If you'll note there, there, there's like a common. He goes on to say, for kings and all who are in authority. So literally what he's telling us, that we are to pray. We are to intercede. We are to give thanks on behalf of the king. Or anyone who's in authority. Now, if I note here, there's no substitutes on this. And there's nothing in there that he says, it's okay to bash them. It's okay to criticize them. It's okay to speak evil of them. No, he specifically told us, we are to pray and to give thanks. Now, when God gives us a commandment like this, there's always a reward when we obey. Look at the reward. That we may lead a quiet, on the outside, and undisturbed life, and peaceable. On the inside, peace. In all godliness and reverence. Now, that only happens by obeying the Word of God. Pray for kings. To pray for those in authority. And we may say, well, that's not that big of a deal. 
We'll read verse 3 and see what it goes on to say. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Good and acceptable. This is pleasing in God's eyes. Now, the the word that sticks out there in verse 3 is the, the thing that says, the word that says, in God's eyes. Again, it shows me that God is watching. He's watching. Isaiah 66, 2, it said, He looks. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal or committed or fully His. So understand this, all day long, every day, God is scanning the earth. He's going back and forth, and he's looking for ones that have a high IQ. That's not what he said. Good looks. Many of us would be disqualified on that immediately. Talents. He didn't say any of that. God's looking for a certain type of heart that says, Father God, I'm going to put you and your word above every area of my life. One of the definitions of sin is to disobey authority. So again, when I obey what God says to I obey, I'm actually honoring Him. Now turn back to your left, just a couple chapters there, and we'll hit the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. A, a great passage here that will give us a little bit... A more insight on obedience in God's eyes. Verse 5, Ephesians 6, verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient. It didn't say, think about it. It didn't say, talk about it. It specifically told us, we are to be obedient. Huh. To those who are your masters according to the flesh. So now what he's talking about is the people that are in authority in your life. Right here on earth. Here's what I found out about this thing called life. I better learn how to obey authority because I'm always going to be under authority. Well, I don't like being under my mom and dad. Well, guess what? Before long you go to school and you come under the authority of a teacher. And authority of a coach. Authority of your band director. And then when you get your first job, you become under the authority of whoever that boss is. And the truth of the matter is it never ends. So the quicker I figure this out, the better off I'm going to be. Now again, this pertains to every one of us in this room, regardless of our age. Regardless of where you're at. Right now, you are under the authority of somebody. Keep reading. With fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. And so one says, deep respect and fear, as unto Jesus. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Obeying God from the heart. Not just going through the motions. With good will. Doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same thing from the Lord, whether he is a slave or he is free. 
Galatians 6, 7 says this. It says, don't be deceived or mocked, or don't you be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So again, all day long, we're sowing. And whatever, sow, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Now, I, I want to show you this in the book, uh, the, the message translation. Ephesians 6, verse 5, in the message. Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do, and work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving. Now, when I look at this right here, do I obey authority, and do I obey authority with a smile on my face? It's totally different, and so I I challenge you this coming week. That as you come under the authority of people in your life, not only serve them as you were serving Christ, but do it with a smile on your face. You're probably going to get a reaction at work when you do that, but that's okay. So the bottom line is, do I want to live pleasing to God? Or do I want to obey my own flesh? I want you to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel chapter number 2, and you say, where is Daniel? Well, if you're going from the front, Isaiah, Jeremiah, a little book called Lamentations, Ezekiel, and you're going to come into the book of Daniel. Um, Here's a thought for you on this. This is a great question that will rise to every one of us. How do I obey God, but yet honor authority when it isn't godly? Is that possible? Well, I believe today this this passage of Scripture will teach us on how this happens. Exactly how it looks. Now, in this chapter right here, there's a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He doesn't understand this dream, but the dream is about this massive golden head. So I'm going to give you a little insight here. Watch how God, all authority is of God, okay? Watch how God stamps his approval on this. This is Daniel 2. Verse 36, it says, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand, and he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. Now, when you read into that right there, you see God's approval on him as authority. He said, "Where you're it, buddy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king. Now, I want you to stop right there. This guy named Nebuchadnezzar, he was a very ungodly king. Who, who ruled a very ungodly, a very wicked nation. And they had uh, astrologers, witchcraft fortune telling but this ungodly king if you'll note he was placed in authority right here so we keep reading verse 1 Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon most believe that this golden statue that he made this image was of himself Now, this wasn't a little, little bitty image. 
it was 90 foot tall and 9 foot wide. Now when you see this right here, this shows some arrogance. If you're going to make a statue or an image, why would you make an image of yourself unless you're pretty prideful? So he's pretty proud of himself. Same chapter, verse number 4. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. This is the command of the nation. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and symphony, and with all kinds of music you fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So now here's the command. When you hear this music play, you're going to bow down and worship him. And if I don't, verse number 6, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now this furnace was, was built to bake or to make bricks. And so it would be like a walk-in furnace. That's how big it was. So we read this passage here, and to help us to get the full effects of the whole thing, we've got to put ourselves in the story. So now you're in. You're in this story. You're under the rule of this king named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar says to you, when this music starts, if you don't bow down to it and worship it, I'm going to grab you by your little belt loop and I'm going to toss you right into that fire. So now what do you do? What do you do? How do we obey God but yet honor an ungodly king? Ungodly authority. Same chapter, verse number 8. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans, and the Chaldeans they were violent, they were fierce. They came forward and they accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning fire furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, better known as Meshach, Yershach, or a bungalow. I'm just kidding, that's not in there. I probably shouldn't have said that. O king, have, have we not paid due regard to you? They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these, these three men before the king. Now, it's very clear through the scriptures he's not happy. He's very angry at them. And he makes it very clear how angry he is. Now again, we're in the story. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage fury gave the commandment to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Says they brought the men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying unto them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up. Now it's interesting when he says this to him. Because now what do we do? Do we compromise God's standards? What do we do with this right here? Where do we draw the line? 
So now we have to think in our own hearts right now, what would I do? Do we just bow down and go ahead and worship the golden image and tell God later on, we really didn't mean it, we're sorry? Do we throw grace in there and say, you know what, we can live however we want. That's what grace is for. Do we begin to rationalize? And we say, you know, the Ten Commandments aren't, aren't relevant to the time we live in. We've evolved, we've, we've progressed. Even though Exodus 20 verse 3 says, you'll not worship any other gods. But, you know, Father God, your Ten Commandments, they're outdated. So when I make a stand to obey God, you might as well get ready because there's a good chance you're going to get persecuted. Maybe even alienated. But the book of Acts chapter 5 verse 29 says, we ought to obey God rather than man. Again, when you stand for God, you've drawn a, sand, a, a line in the sand. Even more so in our society, you'll hear people say this. You can talk about God, you can pray to God, but don't speak in the name of Jesus. I've had that said to me before. You can pray tonight, but don't pray in the name of Jesus. Well, that's, that's not going to happen, okay? If I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. In the book of Acts chapter 14, Peter and John over and over were persecuted for, for praying, for speaking in the name of Jesus. And they said to him, you speak in that name one more time, we're going to throw you in jail. So in this passage right here, what do I do? What would you do? Verse number 16. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God. When I honor God, God will honor me. He specifically says in 1 Samuel 2.30, When you honor me, I will honor you. You despise me, I will lightly esteem you. And so they say right here, our God, our God whom we serve, whom we serve, not who we talk about, not, you know, I, I've confessed you as Lord, that's all I got to do. He says, actually, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O King. Now, these three said, you know what? We're going to be faithful to you, Father God, regardless of the circumstances. And these three right here, their allegiance was to God. Now, what would have happened if two of the three said, we're bowing, man. We're bowing. What would you do? What would you do right now with peer pressure? What do you do with friends? Do you stay firm to the commitment to God or do you bow? Proverbs 13, 20 says this, You run with the wise, you'll be wise, but a, a companion of fools will be destroyed. So again, he makes a statement to us, what am I going to do right here? And I think it's powerful that all three of them said, we're going to serve God. Those are the kind of buddies you want to run with right there. Those guys that are all in say, you know what, I don't care what happens. I, I had a, a good friend that he went to Bible school with me and Shelly. He was, he was half Russian and half Polish. And, and his name was that of Russian. His name was Rudy Vratoshnik. Sounds Russian, doesn't it? 
Well, he was Russian. He was a soul-winning machine. He won more people to Jesus. And so after he graduates from Bible school, he goes back to the, 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 the uh, Russian area. He's in Moscow. He's at an underground church one night. 500 people there. He begins to speak, and all of a sudden the back doors open, fly open. And it's the KGB with rifles. They come walking in. The leader comes right up on this platform and sticks the gun to his head. And he gets the mic and he says, Any one of you here that want to go home and go free right now, you renounce Jesus and you walk out of here and you're good to go. Half of the 500 left. Now I'm going to throw you in this story too. What would you do? What would I do? He waits a few minutes and everybody's gone. And then he says, last chance. You can walk out here right now and live if you'll renounce Jesus and go. Now another half of them get up and leave. So we're down to 125. Let me ask you, where would you be? I have to ask myself that. Where would I be? They all leave. Once the people left, they shut the doors. All the KGB members, they sit down in the chair. They put their guns on the floor. And the leader looked and said, now preach to us about Jesus. We wanted to see who the real believers were. Where do I stand? Where do you stand? These are things that I believe the Lord wants us aware of. That we live in a land more and more where you're going to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. But I want you to read the last part of verse 17 and the first part of verse 18. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king. Now, they say we're going to honor God. But if you'll note here, they continue to dress him as king. They honored him as king. They didn't talk trash to him. They didn't bash him. They didn't say, what kind of stupid are you? They didn't look and say, listen, king, you're going to burn in hell messing for us. They didn't even say, hey, listen, Nebby. They said, oh, king. Oh, king. So this becomes the blueprint for me and you to say, this is how I obey God, but yet I honor authority. Keep reading here. Now we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And they lived happily ever after. Not. Let me paraphrase real quick what happens. When they make this stand, he takes them by the belt loop and slings them into that fiery furnace. And he turns the fiery furnace up seven times hotter than it naturally ought to be. Now pick up with me in verse 22 in here, and you're going to see how hot it is here in just a second. But we start in Daniel 3, verse 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent. Now I highlight that word urgent. Because a, a couple weeks ago, if you were here on a Sunday morning, it's at least two weeks ago, in, in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, it says that when we come under the authority of, of a harsh ruler, 
That word urgent there literally means harsh. This is how it cross-referenced, and I found this right here. He said that he was harsh. So 1 Peter 2.18 says, when you come under the rule of a, of a harsh authority and you're submissive, you endure grief and you suffer wrongfully. It specifically says it's commendable in God's eyes. It's commendable in God's eyes. You know what that tells me? God took note. And he said, that Tommy Slater, he was treated wrong at work today. But yet he honored authority. God took note. God sees. And when God sees stuff, he moves. And so right here it says, therefore because the king's command was harsh and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the guards are marching them in. They open the door, and as they throw them in there, guess what happens to them? Toast. They're burnt. They're gone. Can you imagine that? That's going to be a good one to rewatch in heaven. I mean, that stuff, it, it moved. If I was the king, I'd be looking and saying, now, wait a minute. What's going on here? Keep reading. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and he spoke to his counselors. Did we not cast three men bound to the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, king. Look, he answered. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth one is like the Son of God. <laughs> Isn't that great? Now think about this. They've got this fiery furnace, and evidently on the fiery furnace, there's a window. And he's looking in the window, and he all of a sudden he sees them all walking around, and he looks and says, didn't we just put three in? And he said, the fourth one, his exact words, he said, and that fourth one looks like the Son of God. Now this is an ungodly king. How did he know that was the Son of God? Jesus had to been decked out that day in glory. I mean, there had to be something on him where he was looking at him like, you're messing with king's kids, king. Keep reading, keep reading. You better hurry here. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to how he addresses them. You servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then they came out and from the midst of the fire and the satraps, administrators, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed nor were their garments affected and the, fair, the, the smell of fire wasn't on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they frustrated the king's word and they yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Now listen to what he says. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made in the ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Now watch verse 30. This is, this is great right here. Then the king promoted, the king rewarded 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know what you see right here? They honored the king. A harsh king. An ungodly king. But they didn't compromise their commitment to God. And the end result is this. They were blessed and they were rewarded. So as I read that right there, I look at this and the thought comes to me. How many rewards in my life, how many blessings in my life, how many promotions in my life have I missed out on because I compromised or I didn't honor whom God said to honor? Think about that in your life. This is what was spoken to my heart. Sometimes promotion only happens by walking through the fire. Some of you right now may be in a great test or battle. I don't care if it's at school. I don't care if it's at work. Maybe you're under the authority of a very ungodly leader. You can trash them. You can bash them. You can be critical. But there's also a consequence. Now, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this to you. This is in 2 John 8, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, that we may receive a full reward. I don't know about you, but in my life, I want to receive the full reward. So in order to receive that full reward, guess what? i got to obey. I honor the king, but I obey God. And when I obey what God says to obey, I'm literally honoring him. So every one of us, we go through this test in life. Am I going to honor? Am I going to honor the authority that God's put me under? Whether that's a teacher, whether that's a coach, whether that's your boss, whether that's a future boss. See, something begins to happen when we begin to honor what God says to honor. Now, every one of us in this room at one time or another in our life, maybe presently, you fail that test. You know what I I can only do with my past? I can only repent of my past. But when I repent of my past, God will forgive me. And because God will forgive me, now I can create a future that says, Okay, Father God, I'm going to live to the best of my ability to honor. And when I get into a hard, hard situation where everything within you says, I don't want to honor, you ask God to grace you. You say, oh, Father God, you've got to help me today. I'm going to Miss Smith's sixth period history class, and I hate that old wit. I know, I love that lady. See, again, the flow of our life is so easy to be critical. It's so easy to bash. It's so easy to trash. And you may work around people that that's all they do all day long, but guess what? I don't serve the God they're serving. I serve a God who said, Pray for the kings and those in authority and give thanks for them. So now I'm going to be judged to the degree I obey that. And I either obey it or I disobey it. And I can stand before you today and say, I haven't always obeyed. But I begin to look at the word of God and I say, okay, Lord, I see what your word says. Woo, help me. Change of my heart. I need a change of heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com